Want to discover leading strategies, share experiences and connect with fellow consultancy leaders from companies like EY, PwC or Porsche Consulting? Then join us in Munich for the Leaders in Consulting Conference on the 27th of June, a one-day event exclusively for consultancy leaders like you. Places are limited, so head to leadersinconsulting.com to claim your ticket now. That's leadersinconsulting.com. See you there. Welcome to our shortcast. This summary is from our Leaders in Consulting show episode with Markus Rücker, CEO of Incentis. We're covering three highlights from the show. Three advantages of leading a family-owned consultancy like Incentis, the magic formula for winning projects, and a two-step way to hire the right people. Let's get right to it. Three advantages of leading a family-owned consultancy like Incentis. What do you think is, is an advantage uh, of being a, a, such a business um, yeah. where you basically are the sole deciding person on, on most important topics? It's got always two sides to the metal, right? So um, the, the advantage is, of course, that you have a limited amount um, of people you're uh, accountable for. So you can make decisions quicker. You don't always have to go in a decision process with too many people who have uh, like financial stakes in the company. Same for uh, listed companies, public companies, right? What we are trying to maintain in, in our company as a culture is this family kind of thing. So my mother was, work, was working and is still a little bit working in, in the company. Really? Also? Yeah. <laughs> that is cool. Uh, so um, <laughs> you can always say, ah, I got to ask my mother. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> She's in the in the back back office, and mm -hmm. but she's still you know she's still one of the main shareholders. We don't have shares, but you know, uh, surprisingly, in the employees up until today, they they always come up with that example of how you know cozy and family wise this whole company is. <laughs> so and, and of course you start thinking about now as we're doing the transition, um, how you're going to keep that right. So and I think that for a lot of people. Uh, this family-like culture as well as an advantage. Uh, and to that, it's not only this, you know, nice things you, you maybe do left and right, but uh, also the, um, the trust, I think, what comes with it. So the employees know that we are not going to scroll them over. Mm -hmm. um, they can come to us because we know all the families. So we have one or two celebrations a year. We are all the families with the kids, like, 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 Christmas, uh, the spouses or girlfriends or friends uh, and boyfriends, whatever we have, come together with the kids and uh, um, the kids get presents from the company. So we have really like uh, kids that are now 21, not kids anymore, but still want to come, still get their presents. That's basically like vouchers, <laughs> Amazon or whatever vouchers, and they, you know, go or Douglas and stuff like that. But they still want to come. It's, it's basically their choice. And, and I think that's something that's, provides for our low attrition rate because we basically do not have attrition as a consultancy yeah and uh, we basically had this year one one colleague who switched over to a client and the last one before that was he didn't go to a client but someone else it was like 16 or something 2016 it was the last time uh, wow. one of our colleagues left yeah, us. no normal attrition rate i think is like 20 to 30 percent um, yeah, and so that was that still the really good. Yeah, yeah. and it was still the time when we were all working at the clients, traveling and stuff, right? 
the magic formula for winning projects. So now we are talking about winning projects. Um, and you told me that you basically are really good at leveraging your existing relationships with your existing um, clients. And with clients, I don't mean the companies, but the people within the company. And, and even like they take you to whatever new job at new companies they have. Can you, can you expand a little bit on that? And especially on what is your mag magic formula to make this happen? Yeah, well, I think that's, the, that's coming again from uh, two points like, You know, the family-run business, which is in itself, I think, very open and supportive and transparent based on trust. And I think we convey that a little bit into our, our relationship, I mean, not only a little bit, uh, into the relationship with the clients. Being accountable, being transparent, being responsible. And I think th these are the main relationship builders for us, plus putting in a lot of hard work. So we have colleagues that they do the hours and they do a good job uh, at the same time. And uh, uh, the clients just trust them in a way that they would send them to every burning fire they have in their company. And that's that's worth a lot. You can only gain that trust through like a long period of time. You can't do one project and then you're done. It's interesting how you behave after the project, you know, how pushy you get, how hard you're trying to, to stay in the client, how, you know, mm -hmm. and that thing. And yeah. What, what is your take on that? Like, how, like once your project is finished, what do you do usually? Oh, well, uh, like in any good consultancy, of course, we have, uh, we start conversations with the clients ideally way before the, the, the project ends, right? So that we start talking about them, about their, their company, telling them, of course, what, what, what else we have in our portfolio and where we could imagine where we could work together and where we could have, you know, a talk. Maybe a, a workshop, which the client usually doesn't pay for. Just, just, you know, get to know each other from another perspective as well. And, of course, trying to stay in touch. That's the most important part, I guess. A two-step way to hire the right people. That's two different steps. First of all, how to get to the, uh, to the people that might be the correct people, how to get into a conversation. And the second one is also a learning curve, how to pick the right ones out of those with whom you're talking. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, that's a function of where you put your, your searches, your online platforms or personal uh, contacts and how you formulate the job descriptions you're try, uh, basically trying to fill. So that made a huge impact. Um, we were also relying on um, or we are still like, for, especially for the, uh, the higher grade jobs, relying to uh, on service providers as well so which is not the most or not, not not the cheapest way but if you think what effort you put in and all this if, if you want to be present in all the um, uh, platforms they out there it's not that cheaper because you're doing it for a much longer period of time so yeah. it's uh, it's one way definitely but for us as well especially if you, if you want to want some key personnel um, it's service providers and working your service providers, making them know how you tick and what would work for you and exactly what you need so that you mm -hmm. keep that search for minimal amount of time. So that's basically the two pillars we are working on with right now. Uh, that's interesting. Let's shortly dive into this because I'm curious. Um, what would you advise someone? So for example, if I would like to work with a service provider or a headhunter, um, what would you advise me to do in terms of um, get them up to speed, um, tell them what we really need. Like you, you said, um, they should learn how you tick. And also in negotiating a deal that makes sense for both sides. 
um, talk with them a lot and use many iterations. So many of them would let you um, on a non-search basis. That's basically what's not their effort. Peak um, CVs, basically. So mm-hmm. what you could do is, or what we always do is, okay, we have a phase where we're not looking actively, but I, I tell them what we're looking for. And every time they come across someone, that's as, at least how they say, they might be even looking for it a little bit and put a little bit of effort in it. They shoot it over and say, is that going to, to, to the proper direction? And then we can discuss about those things. Right? Mm-hmm. And the same thing is as well when you have the first interviews uh, to give them like honest feedback directly what was good and was not good um i also uh, like it when they are in one or two interviews present so they know how i mm-hmm. interview what i'm looking for in the first interview uh, not, not in the personal interviews then but uh in the telephone interviews and mm-hmm. many of them do this as well and then you need one of those um that are not pushing you too fast they push you towards a decision and they you need to decide right now and then we we, we talk to the guy and he said no I, I don't really need to change right now i'm just looking and i don't have any other offer so no you don't have to. but they are <laughs> really trying to close very aggressively and the the better ones they um yeah they really want to have the fit and then as well hope you know for continuous uh, uh, business. And that's something like, I think, or at least for me is really important that you don't have the feeling that at the end of the day, you're making a decision just because you have someone else in the back of your neck, because that's too important for me, for the company and for the guy we're hiring. Ready for more? Listen to the full episode. Head over to sawoo.io slash leaders. S-A-W-O-O dot I-O slash leaders.